You're listening to the CIT Podcast. If you'd like to know more about CIT or like to donate to this ministry, you can find us online at churchintoronto.com, Instagram, or Facebook. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we'd love to see you at church this Sunday. Uh, my name is Nigel. I'm one of the pastors here at CIT Church in Toronto. Uh, we've been doing a series on John. We're not rushing through. We want to make sure we get something every week. We, we want to receive something from the Lord, see something more of the Lord and what he's doing done and what he's doing in our lives. So we're going uh, at this kind of pace. We have arrived. We finished last week chapter 8. So this week we're into chapter 9. Uh, and this whole chapter deals with a single case of interaction with what the, the account of a man. This is a great story. Somebody said this is one of the most brilliant passages in this gospel. One of the most brilliant. It's, it's well composed. It's a, a, a great story, progressive story. So we don't want to rush this story either. So we're going to spend two weeks, and what we're going to, today we're going to touch the beginning, the opening part, and the end part, and next week we'll fill in the middle, and we'll get the complete picture. So our title for today, this message, is Jesus the Creator and the Man Born Blind. He's the subject of this, uh, of this passage. Jesus, this is not three, we're not talking about three parties we're talking about two it's not jesus one created two the man three it is jesus the creator one person and the man two parties as we'll see so we're going to read uh, selected portions and we have a reader for us today who's going to come up introduce herself and there you go hi everyone Good morning. I am Comfort. Um, I'm very grateful and thankful for this opportunity to take the Bible reading this morning. I came to Canada a year ago from Nigeria as an immigrant, and so far I have settled in well. How did I find CIT? Well, I was just taking my morning walk, and then I saw the signpost, and I'm like, okay, well, let's try this out. And so when I came into CIT for the first time, my intention was not to stay. I just came to see what was going on in here. And then so far, it's been amazing. So far, it's been personally exciting for me to learn about the life of Jesus through the book of John, how many questions were posed to Jesus and how he'd been, he had been able to answer, answer them. Another thing that I'm grateful for about being in CIT is the amazing community group that I joined. It's, it's so good for me because every time we meet, we get to talk about the last teaching that was done the last Sunday. And for me personally, it's a way of reminding myself of what has been taught in church. And that way I don't forget in the mix of all the responsibilities that I carry out daily. And so straight into um, the Bible reading this morning. We're reading from John chapter 9, from verses 1 to 7, and then we'll jump to 34 to 41. As he was passing by, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, 
this man or his parents that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. And now we jump to verse 34. You were born entirely in sin, the Pharisees told the man. And are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, and when he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He asked. Jesus answered, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Okay, thank you. All right, so uh, we come to this chapter. This is a highlight in the Gospel of John, right? John doesn't tell us many uh, healings that Jesus did. The ones he tells us are, he, he gets into it in detail and he's obviously chosen. We have this special one, special uh, event here of Jesus healing this man giving the sight to this man who was born Brian. We just read the first. This is a long account. It, some people divide, and it's well composed. It's like a drama in seven scenes. It, you can easily divide it up. In the beginning, because in the beginning, Jesus is there. Jesus and the disciples, Jesus and the man who's blind. Then uh, Jesus sends him off to the pool, and Jesus disappears from the account, and the man interacts with Pharisees, with neighbors, with people, and he's people asking how you got your sight, what happened to you, who did this, who is he? He gets a lot of questions, and he gets interrogated, and he has to answer. <laughs> Based on what he knows, and he tells people, some things I don't know, but that's a good process for him, and eventually, uh, he gets himself into trouble with the Pharisees who are the religious leaders and, and he's, he's insisting on what Jesus did for him so eventually the Pharisees throw him out. They reject, eject him, that's the part we read. And Jesus comes back on the scene. So Jesus is in the beginning, then Jesus is somewhere else and the man goes through this process and then Jesus reappears on the scene, and he sees Jesus, and uh, we read that account, which we'll get to, uh, and he's ready to believe, right? And Jesus says, 
Do you believe in the Son of Man? He doesn't say yes or no. He sees, his question is, who is it? I want to know who it is. Okay, you asked me to believe in the Son of Man. That is a unique title for Jesus, which is used here, uh, the way it comes up here. Uh, he, and Jesus says, you see him. Remember, he's, not, he's just got his sight. You see him, and he's the one speaking to you. That's clear. Jesus is saying, it's me. Then he says, Lord, I believe. I believe. And he worships him. Right? That is so he's come all the way to definitely believe. And he worships Jesus as people worship God. Right? Same word. The way people worship God, he worshiped Jesus, which is right, because Jesus is God. And then Jesus has something to say to the Pharisees. We'll hopefully get to that. So we're going to start this week, and next week we're going to continue. We're going to fill in the center, and we'll have the whole picture. So the beginning and the end. We're in act number one, the first scene, and the seven scenes in total. We're going to the, from act one to the seventh. And there's good reason to do that because they kind of match. Right? We'll fill in the middle later, but the two end parts uh, match one another and they deal with the same question. There's a question about blindness and there's a question about sin and whether they're linked together and who's a sinner. And that comes up in the beginning and we come round to it again at the end. So it's called an inclusio because the two ends, they're bookends that match. So that's what we're looking at this morning. That's where we're going. So, okay, this is one of the, one of the most brilliant passages in the Gospel of John, says uh, one scholar. Another says, this is Dorothy Lee, says, John 9 is the best example of symbolic narrative. The best example of symbolic narrative in the Gospel of John. It has a meaning on different levels. Jesus met a man who was blind, who had been blind his whole life. When he was born, he was already blind, and he was blind until he's an adult, which he is here. His parents say he's of age, whatever that was, 20, 30. See, he's now an adult. And he's been blind his whole life, and Jesus gives him sight, right? So, and then things, and there's the way Jesus gave him sight. He didn't just speak a word. He didn't just touch him. He describes a process, right? Jesus spat on the ground, made mud, clay, and, anoint, and put it on his eyes and told him to go, to go and wash, Okay, why did Jesus do that? Jesus, other, other miracles Jesus did, he spoke a word. He touched the person. It was simple. Now we got a process a little bit more complicated. Why is that? Jesus can heal different ways, but in this case, it's done. There's a symbolism. The way Jesus did it is supposed to convey something to us. So this morning we want to get that. It, yes, it's a healing. Yes, it's a miracle. And yes, it conveys 
the way it's done conveys something. Number two is symbolic because this passage doesn't just deal with physical eyesight, vision, 2020 or whatever, but it also deals with spiritual sight, spiritual seeing, right? So we sang about that, didn't we? Amazing grace. That's an old song, that, those lines. Uh, uh, one of the best known hymns ever written in English. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The writer says, John Newton, I once was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, this is our line, I was blind, but now I see. John, John Newton was never physically blind until maybe late in life. He lost, I think he may have lost his sight. But up to, up to the point he wrote this, he was not physically blind. He's saying spiritually, I was once lost, not physically lost, spiritually lost. I was wandering around, not sure where I was. And I once was blind, spiritually blind. His, John Newton's mother was a devout Christian, but he was wild. He was renegade. He was whatever, into all kind of things, right? About as, ba as bad as bad could be. But I, I, I was blind, but now I see. At a certain point, he got to see Jesus, see what Jesus did for him. He got his spiritual sight, and he turned, that turned him around. We sang that song, turned me around, planted my feet, lifted me up, put me on solid ground, right? It changed his life. So there's a matter of spiritual sight, right, that's covered in this section. And conversely, there's spiritual blindness in the end Jesus the Pharisees asked Jesus are we blind good question okay we'll get to that okay so all right so that's okay that's this event it's it's unique it's unique and the man says in the beginning of in the middle of his statement he makes a true statement he says in history or some translations say since the world began it has never been known that somebody born blind received their sight you get it yes there's blindness and people are blind and become blind and some people have their sight restored and Jesus healed in that kind of way but this is more than that this case is more than that. It is unique. I have a little quote from Kenneth Johns that says this. The healing of the man blind from birth was a unique miracle, one of a kind. It was the first time in Jewish history, that's Old Testament, that congenital blindness, blindness from birth had been healed and it was never repeated in the New Testament era. Right? And you read on in the New Testament, yes, there's other healings, etc. But this is the only case, Old Testament, New Testament, in your whole Bible, where somebody born blind from birth received their sight. That makes it unique. It's unique then. In fact, it's unique now. It's unique now. You know, there's blindness today. 
and you know, science and medicine has advanced, so you know, a lot, blindness can be reversed in a lot of cases, right? A common cause of blindness is cataracts, right? I think, yeah, we have a picture on the right, normal sight, what a cataracts, there's a growth over the lens or, or on the lens of your eye, and it, it's opaque, it's obscure, then you can, you, you're losing your vision. Cataracts, right, is a common cause. In the world today, roughly 50% of the people who are blind on the earth today, it's a matter, it's a question of cataracts. They've got a growth over the lens, so the lens is no longer clear, they can't see, right? Okay. Science and medicine have developed to the extent that they can deal with that. Thank the Lord. You know, I had, I don't know, maybe you've had it. I've had cataract surgery. Amen. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Right? I, wasn't, I wasn't fully blind. The doctor said, you're getting cataracts. Okay, you better take Go take care of it. Okay, you know, it's a 50, you know, it's maybe 15 minutes to 30 minutes procedure, right? And it's not painful, don't worry. <laughs> it's interesting. I had that. They do one eye at a time, right? I, I sat there and they, oh, sorry, don't get grossed out. <laughs> if you're squeamish, <laughs> think about something else. <laughs> they, they take the top layer off your eye. They, they, right? they take out the lens. They break up your lens in your eye, take it out. They, they make, they've manufactured a new lens to your specification, and they insert the new lens. Okay, that's right. And then they, they close it up. Away you go. You can, right? You walk in. An hour later, you can walk out. You got a new eye, new lens in your eye. Right? It's interesting. You know, I recall li lying there. You're conscious, right? And you can still see out both eyes. Only when they take the lens out, it's a little, it's blurry. Right? I was lying there. They took the lens out. I'm, I'm, I'm looking through that eye. Then I see red stuff. I thought to myself, that's my blood. <laughs> but not much blood. And they put in a new one. Right? Away you go. Right? They can do that today. Right? And it's, it's a simple process. Right? So, okay. Interestingly, Okay, most cataract operations are on pe older people who have seen, right? They have vision, they're like me, they've, they've had vision for decades maybe, and right? But it's beginning to lose. Okay, Jesus, this case here is not that. This case is people, a person who was blind from birth and had been blind their whole life up to adulthood, Okay, cataracts can sometimes happen to, to children who are born. At, when they're born, they already have cataracts. Okay, there's medical procedure, the same medical procedure can be done to, to put in a new lens, get, right? Restore, rest, right? Give them the eye, the kind of lens they, sh they, 
this can help them see. Okay, you can do that when they're young. When they're young. If you don't do that when they're young, that operation when they're young, they're, they're, the connections between the eye and the brain and the vision and the software that gives them in your brain that gives you vision, that, that connection and the software never develops. So if you don't fix the, the cataracts in, in people who are born blind due to cataracts, if you don't fix them in the, before they're grown up, it's, it's almost impossible to restore it. You get it? Can it be done on children? Yes. Can it be done on young people? Yes. Can it be done on adults? Why? Because the connections never develop and the brain function neurologically has never developed right in the brain so look at this Jesus gave sight to a man who had been born blind and who had been blind up to adulthood right this is radical this is radical so quote from Ted Olson on this you know so it's not just a matter of, okay, change the eye, you know, give them a new eye. That's the solution. No, he's an adult. It's not just giving them a new eye, give them a new lens in this case. So Ted Olson, based on what we know today about vision, Ted Olson says this, Jesus radically changed both the man's eyes, right, your eye, eyeball, lens, etc., and mind. It's a change in the mind, the brain so that he could see the world immediately and clearly he did not jesus did not simply open the man's eyes he rewired his mind he rewired the man's mind brain and gave him the world of vision amen he gave him the hardware the connections the wiring and the software amen that's what if you want to, we want to try to understand this, I believe that. Amen. All right. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Will you need your vision restored? Jesus healed the blind, this man. Will you need your vision restored? Ever. You say, maybe, maybe not. Let me tell you this, okay? Jesus promises to restore the vision of all of us. You know, if we live long enough, right, this physical body will fail, won't it? Right? If you live long enough, you will lose your vision, you will lose your healing, hearing, you will lose, your limbs won't function that well. Eventually, when you pass away, your vision's gone, your hearing's gone, your, your speaking's gone, your walking's gone, everything's gone. Isn't it? You say, Nigel, you've been, this is kind of... <laughs> But there's a promise to believers. There's a promise that God can renew. God can create something new. Right? That's a promise in the Bible. So, right? Here's a verse from Isaiah. Behold your God. It's a promise before the time of Christ. Behold your God will come. He will come and save you. 
your God will come, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will open, the ears of the deaf will, will hear, will be on stop. Then the lame man will leap and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Your God will come and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, the limbs of those who are lame, the lame will leap, and the, the, the tongue of the mute, the person who cannot speak, will speak. It will sing for joy. Amen? So eventually, we all need this. Amen? <laughs> Physically. Right? And the Lord promised it. Amen? It's called resurrection. It's called new creation. And it's for you. It's for me. It's God's promise. This man got it early <laughs> in terms of vision. But it's a promise to all of us. You know, uh, John Newton, I believe, wrote the same thing. He said, when this poor, lisping, stammering tongue, this tongue, when this poor, lisping, this weak, fragile awkward tongue lies silent in the grave then in a nobler sweeter tongue song i'll sing your power to save right one day when we're not no longer singing we're gone but there's a promise this tongue will sing these eyes will see these ears will hear these legs these hands will function again Okay, that's the promise of God renewing the creation, right? God created a perfect creation. It fell, Genesis chapter 3, but that's not the end of the story. God promises to re recreate, restore the creation that he had. Okay, that's what Jesus, okay, Jesus came. Jesus healed the, gave sight to the blind. Jesus helped the lame to walk. Jesus helped the deaf to hear, helped the dumb to speak, and other things. Why? That was a foretaste. The, that was a sign of God's future, which God has for us, for his people. So, those signs should have led people to believe him, who he is, and what God was doing. So, okay, here's a case. Jesus came and gave sight to this blind, man born blind as a sign of what God would do for the whole creation. That's Jesus. Jesus came. Amen? Right? Okay, so, as the story... The account begins, as Jesus passed by, he's left the temple, left the festival. As he passed by, he saw a man who he found out was born blind. And the disciples asked Jesus, okay, Jesus, who sinned? Who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. That's, for us, that sounds like a strange question. It's not one we would ask, but it was a common one in that period, in that era, pe people, the way they understood the world is if you do, if you do, if you sin, serious sin, there's consequences, there's punishment, and something ha will happen to you, right? So, the regular understanding was if some, somebody had difficulties, financial, physical, whatever, economic, 
in whatever way, then, right, a good chance that was due to sin. They did something wrong and they're getting the consequences. That was the common understanding. And that's okay. That's the disciples' understanding. Their question is, okay, this man has obviously, right, he has blindness and he, right, he's, he's in uh, a very miserable condition. So, okay, what's the cause? The cause must be either he sinned before he's born or his parents sinned. Either way, it's, that's the answer. Jesus, okay, Jesus' answer to, that, to their question was a definite negative, right, wasn't it? Jesus asserts, neither this man sinned nor his parents sin in terms of a it doesn't mean they're perfect people it means as a cause neither this man's sin nor his parents sin was the cause of his blindness right so from that we should look you know sometimes that's our attitude you know something happens to somebody and we think well okay there's a reason for this and must be so if something bad happens they must have done something no good. So, but Jesus' answer here helps us understand. No, we should. That's not the way Jesus looked at it, and it's not the way we should look at it, right? So, don't right. We shouldn't make that kind of. There's not a tight link between. There's suffering in the world. There's problems in the world. Yes, because the world is fallen. But generally, and because of people's sin, corruption, whatever, bad things happen. There is suffering. However, there's not a one-to-one -one link in every case. In many cases, there's no connection. Uh, so Jesus, this is N.T. Wright. Jesus acknowledges the seeming unfairness of this situation. He, it's not his parents' fault or his fault. But this healing is a sign that it won't always be in this way. The chaos and misery in this present world is the raw material out of which the loving, wise, and just God is making his new creation. You've got to look for new creation. Jesus' answer doesn't focus on the cause. Who's, who, who's the cause of this problem? Jesus' answer focuses on what God can do and what God will do in this case, right? So uh, here's a quick quote from, from Tim Keller. While suffering in general is caused by human sin, that does not mean particular cases of suffering are always a result of specific sins. Jesus warned against making too direct a connection between sin and suffering. That's one of the main lessons of the book of Job, a whole long book in the Old Testament, Job, J-O-B, one point to learn from that. It's not. His friends kept telling him, you sin, that's why you're in trouble, that's why bad things happen to you. At the end of the story, you find out, no, that's not the reason. So let's not make that connection, which may not be valid. You know, why do bad things happen? In, right? We don't, many times we don't have an answer. Here, Jesus didn't give a definite answer in this case, right? So, in the book of Job, Job himself never found out, right? We as the readers find out, he never finds out why this happens, 
right? So, okay, let's admit, many times, why things happen, why things go wrong, why things, bad things happen, we don't have an answer. There's a general answer, we live in a fallen world. There's not a specific answer. Jesus turned to what can be done. Okay, uh, let's, Jesus, now, Jesus used this specific process to heal this man. And you got to ask, why? What are we supposed to learn? It says, Jesus turned, okay, we need to do the work of God. We're here to do the work of God. Right? Let's not analyze what's the cause. Let's do the work of God. Then it says, well, Jesus, Jesus spat on the ground. From the dirt, he made mud or clay. Right? And he put this pa or paste, if you want, and he put this paste, or you could say anointed, if you like. Sound, right? He put this paste on the man's eyes. Right? That's the process. Right? And then he's told the man, go and wash in the pools, pool of Siloam, in the southern end of the city. Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. That's, okay, that's the process. Jesus could have used a word. Jesus could have touched him. Jesus did more than that. He used a specific process. Right? He spat on the ground. He made right, mud, clay, whatever, and paste out of the mixture and put it on the man's eyes. You say, ugh. <laughs> Was that hygienic? Don't ask. <laughs> you know, why did Jesus do that? Some people say, oh, they thought it had therapeutic value. No. <laughs> it's, you know, this is not ancient medicine. This is not folk, folklore. And it's not magic, it's not whatever. No, what's the significance? And it's not, you know, some people try to analyze all the components. Well, Jesus' saliva means this. It comes out of his mouth, it's this word, and Jesus, whatever. Okay. It's, it's easier than that. Let's look at the whole picture. I believe, right, you know, and there's good uh, writers who say this. We're supposed to look at the whole picture. Jesus you obviously used his hands. He spat on the ground. Out of the, the dirt, the clay, the mud, he made a mixture of paste, anointed the man's eyes. Okay, now that should resonate with us, especially the word, the word he made, clay, or he made mud, same word, Right? Okay, there are verses in the Bible that talk about how God created the human race, right? God made, God made man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils. That's Genesis. It uses the word dust, which is different than clay. However, there are some verses which do use the same word, which we have here as mud, and this is important because the man, you read the whole chapter, every time they say, they ask the man, what did he do? How did he do it? The man said, he made mud, he made clay, anointed my eyes, said, go and wash. Somebody else asks him, he says, He's, he made clay, he anointed my eyes, he told me to go and wash, I did it, now I see. So, it's a key thing, element in this, his testimony and his account. Okay, here's a verse from Isaiah. Okay, the Amplified Version says, Jesus spat on the ground and made clay or mud 
with his saliva and he spread it on the man's eyes. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Lord, you are our father, we are the clay. You, Lord God, you are our father, we are the clay. You are the potter, the one who makes a vessel, right? Makes a vase. Uh, we all are the work of your hands. That's creation. There are verses talk about creation in terms of this word, clay, mud. Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. We're the mud. We're the mixture from the earth. You are the potter, the one. We are all the work of your hands. That's Isaiah. Uh, Paul uses it in Romans. Has not the potter the right over the clay? To make one, one vessel of, of honor, one to dishonor. So it's an image of creation. The potter uses his hands to make the clay and to form the vessel. That's describing poetically the creation of humanity. God made us with his humanity is the work of God's hands. Right? So that's why we sing songs like, we're broken vessels. All these vessels broken and scattered. That's us. So, what is this? It's an image of the creation of the creator. What God is doing for this man, what Jesus is doing, is an act of, a, of the creator. Right? He's creating vision for him. So here's a quote, a couple of quotes from scholars. Uh, Wynne Stanley says this, Jesus heals a man blind from birth. The story concerns not restoration, but new creation. It's not restoration. He never had sight to be restored. It's from the beginning. It's a new creation, new beginning, right? Uh, this is what Sean Maduff, I guess. John portrays Jesus standing firmly in the place of the creator God. Jesus is standing in the place. He's doing what God does, right? Fashioning from the earth new eyes for the man born blind, bringing his por this man's portion of creation to its intended completion. What should we see here? Jesus is the creator, right? He's, in this case, he's creating the vision for this man that he lacked. Amen? That's okay. That's what we're supposed to get from this process. The symbolism. Jesus is the creator. He's creating that vision for the man. Right? And then he tells him to go and wash. Right? There's a church, early church father says this. Irenaeus, that was second century, says this. That which the creator had omitted to form in the womb for this blind man, he then supplied. Jesus supplied what was missing, what was lacking for this man as the creator. Jesus here is doing what the creator does. He's the, right? Only the creator can give sight in this way. Jesus does it. Why? He is the creator. He's, I, he's one with the creator, right? All things were created through him. Apart from him, nothing was created that was created. That's the first few verses. Here, Jesus does that 
for this man. He restores his vision physically. That's the beginning, and then the rest of the story is Jesus is this man gaining not just physical sight, but spiritual sight. He gains insight into who Jesus is, step by step by step, until he comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, do you believe? And he responds, yes, Lord, I believe. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus is that unique Son of Man who's one with God on the throne. He believes and he worships him. Right? That's spiritual sight. Right? That's something that makes him a believer. He's a Christian, a believer, a, following, a follower of Jesus. What he did, we do. What made him a believer makes us a believer. Right? So he's... Right, clearly a Christian, a follower of Jesus, it began that at that time. Amen. It began in him physically and spiritually. It began in us spiritually when we believe, right? So we need sight of Jesus. We need more sight, more realization. How about I pray? We can ask the worship team to come up. How about all then all these broken vessels? <laughs> <laughs> made by God from clay, right? We can sing for joy, right? Lord, we thank you. Lord, you're, you're the creator. Lord, we thank you. In the beginning, we owe our being from you physically in every way. And you, thank you, you value us as human beings and you put your treasure in these jars of clay. Lord, we thank you, you restored the sight for that man physically, and you gave him spiritual sight to realize who you are. You're the son of man. You're the savior. You're the healer. You're the way maker. You're the miracle worker. You're our God. Lord, we thank you. We pray. Lord, show us this week. We want to be in the same kind of process of realizing more and more of you, seeing more and more clearly who you are and what you've done for us. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CIT podcast. Our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at churchintoronto.com. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services this weekend. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God loves you.